0: Welcome to the System.ca, the art and science of coaching, providing innovative information on speed, power, recovery, wellness, strength, and conditioning for both athletes and active individuals. This episode is brought to you by the System.ca, physical mercenaries for hire. We are the providers of the 90-day pipeline solution to faster and better athletic performance using our exclusive 360-degree integrated approach. To regeneration and conditioning shortcuts that addresses the blockages to athletic performance and wellness and teaches you the secrets to continued athletic performance the 360 integrated approach is based on two things 33 years of proven hands-on real-world experience working with athletes ranging from world-class college high school youth chronically injured concussed and top-level amateurs from over 25 different sports this approach also involves looking at a query from a quantum perspective versus a multiple causation approach or a linear perspective. The 360 Integrated Approach takes into account four areas of investigation and enhancement, physical, structural, biochemical, environmental, and psychological. If performance matters to you, we can help you improve your athletic performance by 20-30% in less time, with faster results, with faster recovery, with less effort, with less injury potential, and with less cost. Don't believe us, then check out some of our testimonials at the system.ca backslash testimonials backslash. Call us now as space is extremely limited. Live today with uh, podcast episode 18, uh, improving your 100 with the first three steps and enhancing the sensation with my special guest. And a good friend of mine, Antonio, the one, the only Williams. <laughs> <laughs> What's
1: going on, How y'all doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good, man. So, Antonio, yeah, let, sure. uh, let's let's go back a little bit here. before we d- d- dive into our topic today. I just want to kind of give uh, the readers uh, the, or listeners, rather, uh, a bit of your background. So, I'm gonna hand the floor over to you. You can give uh, your life story. In uh, five
1: minutes. <laughs> five minutes. Ah oh, man, <laughs> just kidding, right. just kidding. <laughs> um, well, originally uh, born and raised in the Bahamas. Um, um, I'm 39. Just turned 39 um, on Monday. Five. Ah, uh, uh, let's 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 see. Let's talk about how I discovered I was fat good one good um, one so basically um uh was in primary school uh guys wanted to race We we always um play this game where you know first one touch the wall win the race but i mean if you got to touch the wall and get there first you gonna win the race well it went well but not too good <laughs> I mean, <shit> like that <laughs> I mean, like that right so uh okay. so 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 basically, um, we were sprinting, and I was leading the race, and, um, you know, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. Said, the water's getting closer. I turned my head for like a split second to see how far, how far I was in front. Turn around, bam, straight into the water, knocked myself out. I had a big old Kamoli bump right on the side of my head, right here. Still can see the little marker right there to this day. And uh I finally came to the bump was like at least two inches off of my head. And uh went home, my, <laughs> my mama asked me what I saw I, I was racing and I was winning, and I turned around to see how far I was and I ran into the wall. She said, Boy, you won't kill yourself. That's how I her I was <laughs> fast. And from and from then I had won basically every race. And um in my in my primary school. Wow. And uh and um my grade six year um upon graduation, I almost won the most outstanding athlete award. I only got beat out because I didn't do more events than the next person, but I never lost none of my events. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of uh <laughs> that story of how I developed or or you know found that I was fast. <laughs>
0: So what'd you do in high school? Uh, Did you race? Did you compete in high school?
1: Yeah, I competed in high school. So, um, spike. So this is another story. Um, I wasn't really used to running in spike. So from grade seven to eight, I took off some time. I, I just, I just jumped. I didn't, I didn't sprint. Um, I won triple jump couple years in a row. I was the shortest person to get into the pit because I was really explosive. So when I went into my tenth grade, they told the coach about me and he's like, Man, this guy can run. He used to win every race when he was in primary school. So I started working on a little bit. And in my first race I didn't have no spikes. I ran barefoot and I won the two hundred meters barefoot. Yeah. yeah. Slopping foot on the track. Pop, pop, pop. That's <laughs> what. No grass uh, track? I, yeah. No, this is on a real mondo track.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I won the 200 barefoot. Yeah. But, you know, you know, in the islands, in the islands, man, we train barefoot and stuff like that. We, That's know, right, yes. When, you know, you're playing outside and you're racing on the street. And uh, you're playing catch and kicking ball and climbing trees. Everything is done barefoot. You know what i'm saying uh, my our parents used to get them out of this if you go side barefoot but you know when they ain't around you sprinting on side and tipping toes, 'cause because you know you ain't gonna run flat footed on no ground on no road or no on no rock so it made our feet real strong and so we we was able to run anywhere we was not i don't know call it what what do you call it hard foot
0: people <laughs> <laughs> you know? <Okay>. so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I get this vision of people like uh, all these kids with like hobbit-like feet.
1: (laughs) But but, you know, yeah, but you know, in 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 the islands, we we wasn't you know, like back when I was growing up, we made fun. Mm. Like all these all these skates now, you see people. We used to build those things, man. So we made fun with we made everything we had. at I had our resources, whatever. We made it. So. You know, it made us a little bit more like, appreciative of what we had. And so, even in terms of training, we didn't have all these fancy gadgets and stuff like that. We ran the fan, we ran the stairs, we ran the bridge, we ran hills. Basically, that's all we did. Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was back then in, what, in high school, I was like 97, 96 around that time. So, you know, technology has. As advanced now they got everything they get yeah stuck. we used to pull tires and stuff <laughs> mm, that's right yeah. Pull tires, yeah yeah so you know
0: uh, that's it, yeah so so what and after after high school did you did you you uh obviously what did you what did you do you went to college
1: yeah so let me say this we um i was there was a point in time in grade 11 i was number one in the four hundred. Going into going into our high school's national championships, I um I was one of the top ones or the favorites to win it, but I saw myself on television two days before and I froze up. I came like fifth, but I went in there with one of the fastest times. That's a, that's one that's one of those stories. And then my grade twelfth year, I think we won the four by one overall all the high schools in the Bahamas. We won the four by one championship. Hmm. But, yeah, we won we won the gold medal. Did did you ever go to champs? Uh like what you mean like champs?
0: Champs, you know, like uh the Caribbean uh championships. No,
1: like well, you know what's you know what's so crazy? Um as long as I was running as good as I was doing, I really never had guidance like some of the athletes. I just used to do it because I could do it. Like do it for fun. And I used to like competing or racing. So I never let nobody beat me. Um shoot. I was running like fifteen seconds in the one fifty when I was like seventeen. Damn. 17, 18. Yeah. And so, but nobody really never tell me said, Hey, come up to trials or whatever. I just used to do it for fun because the school wanted me to do it. But I didn't know with all the extra stuff. I and that that meet that I did won the four hundred. That was the first Saturday meet I ever uh, went to, and I didn't know nobody.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't know
1: nobody. So so and, and then uh, there was one meet, I think around like 21, 21. nine or 21 eight, and I wasn't that old either. Um, I ran against the big national guys, they threw me in the race, and they were surprised that I stuck with them. And I saw people know who I was, too, so I don't know, man, I just did it for fun. yeah you need yeah basically you need guidance in the sport man if if you you know you need people that um, take you on their their wings and say hey you could do this like i never was afforded that i just used to go there to do it i had god given ability uh and the talent to do it Mm.
0: yeah and so after after high school you went uh where'd you go you went you 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 booked you went
1: to the States, what'd you do? What'd you do? Yeah, I, I can't I came to the States. Uh I was in school in uh North Dakota but that was um but that was a little bit too cold for me.
0: North Dakota, uh, but, oh my god. But you know what though? Uh
1: some of the best Britters, you know, that we have in the Bahamas have been up there. But I really you know, Yeah, you know like um Derek Atkins. He he went there uh, you know, he he got a um I think he got a silver medal in one of the um I think it's a Osaka and Osaka um world championships. He came from there. You know, Trevor won a bronze medal as well. Yeah, you remember Trevor, yeah. Yeah, and then you got other guys, you know, you know, like uh, people like Adrian Griffith who ran the hundred, um uh, who a part of um national teams and um I uh, was the next guy uh, who won the gold. Ramon Miller, he came from there, and he was—he actually anchored the Bahamas over. Um, I think it was Angelo Taylor, the last. He passed him like the last part of the race to win the gold medal for the Bahamas in the in the I think it was the Olympics. So we had you know we had some good athletes coming there, but I I didn't stay long enough to find out. <laughs> it's too cold for me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Ah, uh, but then yeah, then I came down here to South Carolina, which is one of the no. I went to North uh North Carolina, then I came to South Carolina, which is one of the worst mistakes of my life.
0: Go ahead, tell me, Man, welcome.
1: Yeah, education educa- education was was good. You know, I got a degree in criminal justice. I graduated top of my major, so you know that was good. The um the athletic part of it was not good. Because most of these colleges or universities, but mainly the colleges once, once they find out that you are good. And you have a, a certain talent and you from a certain place, they would use you as a workhorse because they believe that you could do everything. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So you come in as a fast sprinter. Um, they want to. They want you to run cross country because they don't have the numbers. So you got to be careful when you go to these small schools or certain places that recruit you. You know, you you got to make the best decision for yourself, not just because you want to go. See, I just wanted to go to school, so I didn't really care at that point in time. But then right. I found it. But I found it the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess
0: you know I. Yeah, I, I have uh, the NCAA system in terms of, like, the sprinting and stuff. I could tell you some stories. But, uh, yeah, just basically half the time, and I, I think maybe you might agree with this, the guys who win, it's because of attrition, not because necessarily they're the fastest. Right? It's the guys Oops. who's least least injured.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, you know, there are some, there are some colleges, that have uh, some universities that have excellent programs over here.
0: That's true too. Have, yeah, for sure.
1: You have to go to the right
0: place. Yes, I agree. You got to do your research. You can't just go anywhere, right? Yeah. You yes. got to find and coach. You got to interview you, inter- you. They're going to interview you. You have to interview them.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, and then sir. You have, yes, to sir. have to look at their training background as well. You know, right. their training background and see, you know, how successful that athlete was over a four year or five year period of time. Because then that'll tell you, like, okay, if this athlete was doing good from a freshman all the way up to senior, that's someplace you might want to go. Because not only that they, they trained this athlete well and he competed well, but they kept him injury free. They, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. You got to pay attention to all that stuff.
0: So, did you, I, you know, I work with the, uh... Very famous runner at one point. And the amount of uh, regeneration work that this person got was kind of unheard of, I think, for mo- even for the today's standards. So did you yeah. do any Did you do any regen work? Did you, like, was that something part of the, were they even aware of that? Or did you something that you did on your own? Or how did it, how, what was it? You
1: mean in college?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: man. <laughs> we did none of that stuff. Absolutely nothing. No, nothing.
0: Not even no. a not even a, a, a tub soak. <laughs> I can't
1: even I can't even remember if we took an ice unless I did it on my own.
0: Okay. So did yeah, you I'm, did did you have any regen methods that you used in college or?
1: Well, I didn't really. What I know now, I didn't know back then, so I really didn't do much. I mean. All we did was go to practice. If you saw, probably take a take an ice bath yourself. Well, that was it. It was nothing else. You wasn't getting no massages uh, unless you were hurt, and then they they wrap you up with a little bit of ice and uh, and a and tell you go sit down. I mean, that was it. Yeah. And like I said, it depends. It depends on the school. The school you you go you, you go to. Like I went to a a, a small uh what that was a D two school, so it was really wasn't nothing spectacular about it. And so they wasn't up to the level of standards of other colleges and universities work. So that sort of hurt me. And the crazy part, man, if I had just waited, I would have got recruited um to I think it was North Carolina Central University. Because my GPA was high. I just needed it, I just needed uh the school to release me that I was at not up in North Carolina at the time. Mm. So like I said, it, it all depends on where you go. It could it can make or break you in the sport.
0: Mm. So I so in high school, I mean in college, what did you have any accolades? Did you in terms of a track? Did you do anything? What was your best time in college?
1: Oh man, my best time in college. I don't uh, know. I was always hurt. I was always hurt. Oh. I was always so basically. Okay, so here it is When I when they when I first got here, right? I can remember when I was like, okay, we're gonna have a time trial and we're gonna see who's the fox in the school. I didn't know nothing. I found a hill not too far from the school and I would jog to the hill and I would sprint this hundred meter hill like basically three, four times a week. And uh, so when we had time trials, there was all this noise and bragging all. Oh, who was the fastest in the school these guys who said before, right? Right. I didn't tell nobody. I never spoke to nobody. I said, okay, we're going to see when the time comes. I think with all that, without going on the track and just running the hills, they clocked me at 1101. They clocked me at 1101 without no low taxi training, just running the hills. And none of the guys ran that fast. I was the fastest 100-meter sprinter they had. So, after they saw how good I was, God where did the downfall and the decline happen? Next thing I know, I'm asked to come get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning to come to practice. They got me running four or five miles every day on concrete. <laughs> so, now we get to the track season. I can't never finish a race because I'm always tearing my hamstrings because my body wasn't used to that. So, I really never really had a good career because I was always hurt. I yeah. never could have both. Even when I contacted you, you you know man, you know all the work you had to do on me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we can so. we, we can definitely talk about that another time too. But uh, that's a, that's a, that's a podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so that so after that, you you know you, you tore your hamstring what two times or. Multiple times.
1: Uh, no man. Uh, I remember I think the worst one I had was the year I was on the four by one team at this school at, at the same school. I didn't even want to call the school name. But we was getting ready um for the relay. And I was supposed to pop off the relay because I was the fastest starter. So they always put me on, on first leg because I could beat everybody out. All right. And I remember we was practicing, we were practicing so much. And I came off the curve, the pass of baton, like I accelerated off the curve, the pass of baton, and all I had was pop, a pop up in the air. Like my hamstring tear was so bad I had a blood bruise.
0: Yeah, a belly tear.
1: I had a blood bruise. And you know, swollen, big old black, reddish mark on my leg. And um, and and the crazy part it it tall from the side go up into the middle,
0: yeah. So, yeah, that would, if you're coming around the bend, that would make sense because the inner hamstring is going to work a lot. But uh, so you you had that one, <laughs> yeah. And so you, you recovered from that, right? And Pretty then um, uh, yeah. So now let's let's go a little bit fast forward here. So. Obviously you're no longer you no longer in college now. you you're, you're uh, thirty-nine, what? Thirty-nine,
1: is that right? Thirty-nine. So, right. Yeah. I i should check this out. Um like I said, I was always a great starter, right? I'll never forget this track meet. This is our uh, post after college was done. Got into training. Went down went down to this tra- they always have this big track meet at North Carolina, um A and T. That's the first time I watched the Sean Merritt drop 19 seconds in a 200 live in front of me. Wow. This this track meet used to be one of the biggest track meets with all the stars used to come there, right? And I ran a hundred that day. And I can't remember who was in the race at the time. All my kid's life and all my life, I was leading that race after like 60 meters. And I went to make a move and I pulled my house off. Damn. One of the things that I will never forget. You know who was at that meet? Tell John me. Drummond. John Drummond was at that meet. The guy who trained with Maurice Greener. And he was one of the fastest artists back then in the world, too. That's the
0: right.
1: Yeah, John Drummond. And I was remember walking down back to where my stuff was. And he said to me, and God's my witness, his spokesman. spoke to me. He was like, you keep doing what you're doing, you're right there. And then that was it. And I just kept walking. And so my biggest issue was, and my biggest problem was, I never knew how to get over the house. Like, it followed me and followed me and followed me and followed me. And followed me. And, uh,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I, remi- I, I remember uh yeah well, i mean we' I remember working on you, and that was uh i mean we could probably make come back and do a podcast on that how it worked on you basically and uh figure out it wasn't your hamstrings actually it was something else but anyways uh the two it was the-, two <laughs> concu- the, it was, the it was the concussions that you had but uh we can we'll have to come back to that but let's let's kind of dive into the topic today here so you we we spoke earlier a while back and we just were talking about what we're going to talk about and, you know, it, 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 it's kind of an interesting topic uh, because nobody really, nobody that I know of would have chose this topic. Yeah. So that, that, that to me is like, wow, that, that's interesting. Cause I, I said to you, okay, you pick, you know, we went back and forth and said, okay, you know what, we can do this podcast and let's, let's pick a topic. And so I, You know, I'm having the usual stuff, okay, you do 30 or 100 meter, whatever, and that's typical way everybody, but you chose something which I thought was really interesting. First three steps. Everybody else is talking about, okay, you know, some people live a smart, you know, they they say your first 30 sets you up for your last 70, so you work on your 30, and, and I could probably add a little bit more to that and say, well, even before you put your foot on the blocks, man, what do you look like? Stand if you stand upright, if it looks right, it, it flies right, right? So we can go back, yeah. and that's that's kind of like you know how we how we met, you know, because yeah, going back, yeah, I have to take you all the way back, but we'll go back. We we won't talk about that right now, but so why the first three steps? Your floor floor is yours.
1: Well, I I, I think I think for the, you know most athletes. They don't have the understanding of what to do between leaving the blocks and that time that the first step hit the track and then followed by the second. I feel like the second is the most important than the third, but each step sets you up for the next one, depending mm-hmm. on how you on how you apply it, right? You feel what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, most of uh, and I don't, I'm not going to step on anybody toes on uh, most of the coaches, but. I don't think that some of the coaches now understand that area. They're, they're, the great coaches understand it, but then you will see that athletes succeeded. But I, I feel like most of the coaches that are into this sport don't really understand it, and they never could understand why the athlete always getting beat out or the athlete can't set it themselves to accelerate down the track. Um, right. like, like I told you, and, uh, I'm going to mention this one person that I feel like understands it to the teeth Well, two of them, but he really, really understands it. And that's Christian Coleman. And mean,
0: what, yeah, cool. And why would you say it, Christian, okay, go ahead. No, why would you say Christian Coleman understands that?
1: Well, if, if you, if you look at it, right. And you study him, his reaction is great, Right. But then he knows how to get the feet down and back up to move away from everybody. If you were to slow his his first ten meters down, or even the first three steps, right? Look at when his first foot, his first foot hit the ground compared to everybody else. I look at look like look for when his second foot hit the ground, his second step compared to everybody. When he's on his second step. They're just on this, their first step, so he's creating more separation early in the race because he know how to keep it low, get the feet down, and apply power at the same time. Most of these athletes don't know how to do that because either either they have one or they don't have the next one. Like some athletes have power, but they don't know how to get the feet down quick enough. Some athletes can get their feet down, but then they, know, they don't know how to stay low in that 45 degree angle to get their feet down to move away. But that second step is the most important one. If you can get that second step back down underneath you quickly, you will move away quickly. But you know, everybody want to toe drag, pretty is not, <laughs> it's not bad, but if you toe dragging and you trying to get extension, the more extension you try to get, the more you are gonna slow down because now you're thinking, you're thinking, uh, open up and go long, opposed to contact, move, contact, move. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. Yeah. It's like if you pull an elastic band back, right? When you when you let that go, it keeps going. That's true. It don't this. this, this. No, it goes one straight motion. So you you're not you're not tugging. They they're it's, trying to tug when they come with the block, and that's where that low, you know, the uh the, the, the toe drive. They're staying down too long in that motion instead of staying down and moving. Cause they're concentrating too much of saying uh 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 Dragging the dirt too instead of getting their feet down and running. You, mm. you understand? That's yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So so first the first the, 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 the secret would you say, or I wouldn't say secret, but one of the things basically getting that foot down fast. So you yeah. want a low you want a, a low I mean right now they they, they they term it as a low ankle recovery. That's what they yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So so I, go, Let's go back a bit and say, mm-hmm. how do you get that? Like we talked about the first three steps, but you mentioned earlier in our discussion setting up your blocks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: yeah, yeah. setting is very important. So give us, give us, uh, give us an idea how you set up the blocks. What do you recommend? I mean, obviously, let's just you know, we're not, we're not saying that. Uh, Antonio's got all the answers, but he I think he does, but <laughs> oh, no, I, I just
1: pay attention I just pay attention he's, to, to
0: detail. Uh, uh for the record, Antonio's helped me with my hundred. Uh you know, he's 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 uh he's taken uh picked me apart a couple of times and says, Okay, you gotta be doing this and we would discuss it and try to for- work out some uh some drills. Uh but he's one of the guys I would go to personally. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable guy he's got you know obviously the times that he's run something that's uh commendable as well, but at the same time you know I think you know I think some of your experiences, good and bad, have kind of created you to have uh the wisdom in one sense that some people that I've met that don't have because you've it's almost like even though you didn't uh succeed to a highest level, but you know. Going back, had I done this, and now you obviously helping um, some of the athletes that you're working with, uh, they're benefiting from you know your your sort of your errors, which is really which which basically a good coach does. A good coach will look back and say, well, "What did I do wrong, and how can I improve?" Right, and and so now you the the athletes that work with that coach benefit from from that person's uh, mistakes. Actually, it's it's through the mistakes that you learn. Your wisdom not not to uh necessarily always because that's that's ingrained now you know it's in your head right so yeah. go, how do you set up the block go back to the blocks here you know we talked about this and the key word i'm going to give you a cue here and maybe you you can expound on it is the word sensation so yeah. so you said we talked last time the foot, the, you know, he's setting up the the foot. How which which foot goes on the on the ground? Which foot, you know, uh, you, you go ahead, man, you tell me. Okay, so
1: just to go back a little bit, well, every athlete is different. No, no one athlete is gonna start the same. I think as coaches, we gotta let that go in terms of. We got to put the athlete in the best position for themselves to be successful.
0: That's a good right? point. That's a good point. As opposed to trying to force an athlete into a mold.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I feel like if an athlete is explosive and they can get out, but they just ain't hitting the angles, you try to find a way close to where they feel comfortable with what they were doing, but also get them into the angle. Right? So that might be take times of repetition or showing them certain things, certain drills to get them in the angle that they need to go down the trap, but not trying to make them do it my way. My way is gonna be different because first of all, I might be stronger. I might be quicker getting my feet down. There may be a lot of things that my body is wired differently from everybody. Prime example. Ben Johnson's body was wired differently from everybody. Mm. Understand? That man could uh, uh, jump over the block and get his feet back down quick enough to not pause and keep it going. Not everybody could do that. He was wired differently from a um, for a a neural and central um, central nervous system um, um, aspect. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, in terms of sensation, for me, I found that. If you put your block, if you put your feet on the block a certain way to get ready for that first step, the way you set that feet up, and when you when you come out, it's gonna feel that first step is gonna feel the same way as it was connected to the block before it left the block.
0: So he's almost you almost given, giving away the secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, so what you're doing is almost you're giving. If I could sum it up a little bit. Uh, You're giving the foot, you're giving the foot, the memory of what it needs to do before it actually does it. Yeah. Which, 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 which leads to the quote uh, speed is movement and, and sensation in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. So you're actually getting the sensation. So you're setting up, you're, you're, you're talking about setting up in the blocks. How would you, how you would run? The first how couple, yeah. So that has to One be
1: that, how you would want to seek the feel off of the block after leaving the block to contact the track the same way it felt on the block.
0: Right. So if now this sense. is, yeah. So this this is kind of an interesting talk because uh, or this point of discussion because you're you're talking about using training almost to create right. sensation. As opposed to, okay, I'm gonna give you, you know, some tens, some twenties, some fifteens, some thirties. You're almost saying, okay, what are you feeling when you're doing those things? As opposed to everybody's okay, okay, make it run what's your time? You could care less. I mean, if I could if I could, you know, put words in your mouth here, you can care less about the time, but you care more about the sensation because the time will come as a consequence of better sensation, correct?
1: Yeah. So 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 check this out. I can give you one cue right now, right? That I give my athletes that I work with, and it will actually set you up to stay low in your drive phase, especially the feet angle, right? One cue is they okay. So most of these coaches say, I need you to stay low, do this, do that, do that, right? You're telling them to do this, but how are you getting them to do it? And what are you, like, ingrained in here, like, what are you telling them so they can remember, like, hey, this is what I need to do to do it, do the action, right? All you have to do is tell them, when they come in on the block, especially for the first three or five sets, run over your ankles. Simple. When you run over your ankles, that means what happened, that's that that step is not coming high at all right so you're you're using a projection to set you up to keep you in that low position, and then you can add on the other parts of where they need to be to get them up to talk to these
0: friends right yeah and and so right now, when people set up. You said you said, we talked about uh putting one foot, you said something about putting uh one toe on the ground. Right, and the, and first, the, upper, the front block, yeah. The front block. So that toe is is basically so here's the ground. So is that is that toe touching the ground or is it kind of in you know, semi uh, extended position? Kind of like, you know, if you're almost like trying to scrape
1: so, uh, so, most, most of, most, like, this is the block, right? Yeah. This is the starting block. Most of, most athletes just keep their feet like here. So, this is the track. So, the toe is touching here, right? Yes. Right. So just, the tip of the toe is just touching the track.
0: That's right. Right? You
1: want it my more. Way, my way of doing this is having the toe to actually push, uh, like, yeah, push, like, sink into the track, kissing the track, so it's gonna have a little bend, so your toes are gonna to be bent up a little bit, right? So what that is what that is doing is
0: Coiling. it's creating yeah, elastic yeah. coil. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, you're pre you're so, pre-setting it up. That's it. Think yeah. like you ready? So, you're pulling the elastic, I gotta let it go now.
1: Yes, yeah. so the cessation of the foot feeling the block on the track, once it leaves there. It's, it's going to want to feel the same type of sensation when it hits the track. So what now you're doing is you ready set up yourself to get down the track because your feet already feel how it needs to be before touching the track. It's already there. You don't have to look for it. Like I find myself like when my, when my feet is like this, right? I fi- I got to try to find that feeling. Yeah. And if you try to find that feeling after leaving the block, you're in trouble. Mm, yeah, and it should already be there to put you in that uh, position that you could, you know, provide power, the quickness, and accelerate all at once. But if if you don't have one of those things, there's going to be trouble on the last part of the race because now you you don't have the sensation that it needs to sprint down the track. Some athletes can find it, some athletes can't.
0: So here's a here's a point. What would you say about training for proprioception versus training for strength to go faster? So train. Coaches need to spend more time on, and this is kind of goes back to what you know when you came up to see me. You're starting to feel. I was asking, how do you feel on your feet? You feel lighter, right? So credit, credit so if coaches spent time, you know, this would be, the, I would say, the first fundamental thing before you start putting on, okay, let's do the, you know, the runs, the, the weight training, all that, because all these things go back to this idea of sensory perception. You have to, for you, for example, when you grab a bar, like, you know, just just to teach somebody to hold on to a barbell, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, for a deadlift, for example, you're, you, you want to, like, I, I have this little thing where you have to grab with the first two, the ring finger and pinky finger, because as soon as you do that, the the shoulder wants to go external rotation. Yeah. Then then you bring your other two fingers. And then you then you bring your thumb in. So if you're doing a hook grip, you bring your thumb in, and then you so your your thumb now and two fingers. So you kind of get that tension in there. Then you wrap your two index finger and middle finger around. Then there's then the knuckles have to be pointing to the ground. Then you got able to bend the bar towards you, like you're doing this. And at the same yeah. time, you're trying to pull it apart. So you have uh, several things just to hold on to a barbell, which now sets up your shoulders. So now your your hips, it frees up your hips to, to get in that, because you, sh- you don't have to think about what's going on up top. So the mm-hmm. same sort of thing here now, I'm, I'm just kind of par- making a parallel here. Uh, with this idea of, uh, you know, training the sensation. So athletes need to spend time getting sensation, and so the coach needs to do the first thing. The coach needs to do, and this is this is my opinion, and maybe you want to add to this. I think they should need, they need to teach the athlete sensation. And you you talked about this earlier, and you yeah. said something. You said something. I made a note of it. You train most of your life barefoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is that sensation? is you when you run barefoot, it's a different or I mean you run in spikes, for example, with no socks, or when or, or you're running tra- you know, like trainers, a different sensation. You're uh-huh. changing this so by changing the sensation, the sensory perception, it's very similar if I was to walk with you beside you, but I'm holding on to your t-shirt on one side what would you uh-huh. do? You would lean to the opposite of the side, depending on how much force I'm putting on the other side, right? So the same thing here. You're saying, listen, work on, instead of just focus on running, before you start running the numbers, you know, your 10s, your 20s, your 30s, whatever, before you start doing that, make sure the athlete is set up properly to get the right sensation in the blocks, by which then the first three steps now will set you up for the first thirty. Which then, then if you got that down pack, let's move you down the track, and you should be able to go. And you can correct me on this. I when I did a good when I did a 31, you know, I know I'm doing a good 30 when I'm able to almost go in autopilot. My legs want to just keep turning over, and they almost take me up to about 70 meters before I actually want to slow down.
1: So I'm glad you said that. And you know how we can confirm that you can always tell when speed is in place and acceleration is in place all of the greats have done it right and this is shown in the rounds of the competition like you said that you can sprint up to 30 and because that is in place it sets you up that it can take you all the way 70 meters because you have to, like, after you run that, you, you slow down because of the speed or the acceleration. The force that you got from the acceleration to build you up into it takes you all the way down, right?
0: Yeah, the, your, your, your foot's in the right position at all times. It's always, it's kind of like a, if you were to, if I were to hold out a bicycle wheel on by its axle and I tell you, okay, I told you I want you to spin that wheel, what would you do? You would hit it very lightly on tan- very a very small tangent every time. But if you were to smack yeah. it, you would slow the wheel down. So this is a really interesting uh, discussion point because I th- this is where I think a lot of coaches, I mean, they, they, they look at split times. They look at your 100. But when does a coach ever – I mean, I do this because I'm you know, working with you and I picked up a few things here and there. But I, I always ask, how do you feel on that? I don't care about – I mean, the time is, you know, your 10-meter split, whatever, your 30-meter split. That's all good. But how did you feel doing that that's so, the question i think nobody really asked and i and i know you asked that but uh, and i guess that's where i got it from so, so
1: go ahead but, um based on the conversations that we had right um you almost you always told me that ben johnson was so in tune with himself right that charlie had him at a certain level within himself in terms of uh, his training that he could run a 60 and 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 tell you what time that he ran. Yeah yeah that's sensation in itself. You yeah. understand yeah. me? If because he he felt like if he was if he was uh, hitting the ground a certain way or he know how to dial it back, he know how much force and energy to put into his run that he could tell you what time he ran. Yeah. You, you understand? So that's a sensation in itself. So uh, going back to what I was saying, like you see these athletes, Boat, Yachtland, they could just run up to sixty meters and cruise the last 40, right? And run nine, eight, nine, 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 ten flat, chilling. Because everything is in place. Right. And the sensation they know that, okay, I know how much force and how much energy to put into my run. to set me up for a certain time. But, you know, the championship is different. It's about placement. But then again, they know what time they are running because they have rehearsed it over and over. The acceleration is in place and the speed is in place. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah.
0: So let's go back here a bit. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of guys do all these drills, uh, you know, Instagram is full of them. Um, there's these, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the names because, you know, (laughs) I don't want to get too much hot water, but, um, I, my, I mean, when I train, uh, I keep the drills simple, man. It's like A's B's and C's and, you just work them until basically that sensation. We're talking this. This is this is where I think really coaches forget, man. Speed is speed is a feeling. You know, it's yeah. like when you do. Okay, give you an example here. You ride a motorcycle at 60 km at 100 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. Then you go into a car at 100 kilometers an hour. What's the difference? You still it's 100 kilometers an hour. It's a sensation. Everything. Yeah, like and, 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 and everything basically is—it's the same speed, but it's a di- like I have a client who races open cockpit, co- open, open cop, uh, cockpit car. That's a different sensation in an open cockpit co- cockpit car than it is yeah. in a in a in a closed car. Your yeah. your ability to sense where you are, I think, is heightened. Like a go like go kart racing versus uh, racing in a car is totally different, man. <laughs> And so, <laughs> but, so this idea, so I think, you know, I mean, I, w- I would say to coaches, listen, man, you, you have to work, ask your athletes, how do they feel? Uh, Charlie Francis used to always, he never used to tell you, uh, can you do another one? He'd always, or he'd, he, he will not even tell you your time sometimes. He would just say, how did you feel on that run? How did you mm-hmm. feel? Did you feel light? Did you feel? Did you feel like you're pushing on that? And then he would make adjustments to get you to feel what he wanted you to feel so you can accomplish the run and feel as if it was effortless. Yeah. Is that right? Also,
1: also, yeah. Also, another thing, too. A great coach can also listen to your steps or the way you are hitting the ground and it could tell you if the time is fast, or if they're moving in the way, off the central nervous system is off. What are these, most of these coaches, man, with all these drills and stuff? They're confusing the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. I'm it. They are confusing the central nervous system. I feel like sprinting should be relative to what you are trying to get accomplished. Keep it relative. If you know that you have to written down the track, then simple drills, man. Drills ain't gonna never lie. The A skips, the B skips, the over the ankles, the over the calves, the over the knees, which is basically high knees. But then some of these athletes or some of these coaches don't even know how to teach high knees. They do it wrong. Mm, I agree. Some of them got the kids Touching their butt for butt kicks, like butt kicks is one of the worst drills to teach an athlete I,
0: exactly i oh, I, no. I that is that is not a good drill to teach It's a bad motor yeah. program it's a teaching yeah, yeah, a very yeah, you, bad motor yeah. program because yeah the, the the leg is not coming back and that it's coming back because of an elastic recoil you're not yeah. forcefully bringing it back right mm. so but yeah. you know i think you you had to touch you just touched the point here you say you're confusing the nervous system nervous system so i i want to put it in computer terms a lot of people sometimes in this day and age computer terms i can say listen people are overloading the ram you're driving back you're driving all this information back in the ram well if you don't overload the ram you slow down the computer
1: yeah basically yeah
0: so you want to keep this thing um you know in what we call a spinal loop like a finger in a hot stove it just comes off you don't have to tell yourself to take it off. So when your foot hits the ground, it's already in a position to strike forward, not trying to lift off the ground and and then figure out where it has to be.
1: You said, think about this, and I'm 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 gonna kill all of the conspiracy or all of the. Uh,
0: <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Here we go.
1: The mumbo jumbo crap that all these. Well, I I wouldn't say it's mumbo jumbo because. Most of these coaches and athletes, they, they're trying to sell themselves. So they make a drill or they make a, a a workout look so good and appealing that, oh, man, he could do that. Blah, blah, blah. You get all these likes. You get all these followers. And so now you start, go up. But is it making the kids run fast at the end of the day? That's number one. Number two, let's go back in time. Ben Johnson, Kyle Lewis. Flo Joe, right? Yeah, there this you go. Back in the 1980s, I think, right? Right. You go back and tell me where they was doing all these fancy drills or they was had all these gadgets. But guess what? All of those times, and this is what, yeah, like 20 and 30 years ago, right? All of the, th- the times they round
0: then, the kids are struggling to run now. You hey. tell me the problem with that. And and also, let I me. Mean, I'm gonna add to that. The, the, remember the tr- <laughs> remember the track surface back then. It yeah. was rubberized. The spike technology. You could just fold those spikes in half. With all the the hardened track and and uh, you know the the, the better spikes, uh, all these things. Yet they can't come up with those times.
1: Guess I guess what? gotta tell you what? something.
0: I gotta tell you something there. I don't know.
1: Hey, but guess what though. They had less, right? And yes. what do
0: we always say about less? Less is more. Oh, yeah. Less is more. And they basically so what you're saying, what you're saying here is go back to the basics, but master those basics to the point where the sensation is there. Yeah. As opposed to just doing them but the say you're not deriving the sensation by which that you transfer that sensation mm-hmm. into the track. So I'll give you an example. I I work with a few athletes. So I've actually had a couple of national team guys take them back to these basic running drills. And I would get them to do, uh, in, it would it would be like about 110 meters of A's running A's. And at a certain point, um, you, you you when you get up, there's two aspects to the, the sprint. You have the vertical and the horizontal. You mm-hmm. have to get high enough for your leg to cycle underneath you. Yeah. So if you're doing the A properly, if you can't get high enough on the A and you can't cycle cycle your leg, you're not ready for horizontal movement. Did you know I, why? I,
1: like we always say, they got no springs.
0: Yeah. The springs so are not developed. You, So Mm -hmm. you got to develop the springs and that's probably a podcast in itself. But, um, um, but the idea is once they get to a certain point, they, they're going high enough that you can't, they can't maintain your walking speed. They have to almost start to run almost because if you, if you're doing like a, a a running aids with an athlete and you, you know, I usually walk beside them and I say, keep it, keep at my pace. So I'm going at a, a comfortable walking pace. And if they if they start going ahead of that, that's telling me that they're going high enough on the arc that they're starting to descend. They're not mm-hmm. they're not. Initially, they'll, they'll hit the apex. Right. Yeah. But they can't they, they're not going over that apex. When they start going over that apex, that means the foot is coming back this way as opposed to like this. So you you're able to push going horizontal now. Your, your body naturally wants to go into a horizontal position. So, I kind of yeah. wait till that sensation is there, and then I start transitioning them into zero to ten meters, yeah, right, and I start working on so the actual now they're starting learning how to use their legs in a more rapid motion, traveling horizontal, so we have the vertical component and then the horizontal component, and each of those components have very specific training things that you need to do and this has come back to the training the drills the simple drills uh, as opposed to trying to do um i'm not going to mention the drill but it starts with a w <laughs> yeah oh, because 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 ben johnson and these guys uh flo joe uh carl lewis they didn't do all these drills but yet they're they're oh. they're 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 so smooth and running, and I think you, know why? you, can, you can look at the times they know a lot of people say, "Well how fast do you run well, you know what if you if you have the sensation first, it's easy to develop the power, but if you don't have the sensation, the power will override the sensation
1: yeah there's gonna be there's gonna be some some lack in there they're gonna That's be. Lack like, in
0: there. That's like you, uh, that's, like, that's like basically, uh, um, you know, getting a car and putting a, a you know, you have a, a, a small engine in the car. And so everything is balanced for that small engine. All of a sudden now yeah. you can you can put a bigger engine in and maybe it'll go faster. But now the sensation of steering the car and, and handling the car changes. So it's yeah. almost that that car can't handle that engine. It's too big. It's too powerful for that engine. You'd have to start changing, modifying the car to support the engine. So this Mm -hmm. is like developing more power. So you get stronger and whatever in the weight room, whatever, but then you can't. So if that was the case too, then you'd find guys who are squatting like huge numbers and you wouldn't, you'll be running faster. But there's a lot of guys who run at the NCAA level, they probably do like four, three, but they probably have a hard time squatting three plates past parallel. You see? So I don't know. I just, These are just some of the observations I've made, and obviously talking with you, I mean, with your expertise, I think you kind of forced me to think outside my box. Uh,
1: Like I said, like I always told you, man, like a lot of coaches would want to deny it. Some of coaches would give, you know, give recognition and give props, but Charlie Francis was the blueprint for sprinting. I agree. And um the reason why they were so successful, in my opinion, if you go back and you look at, even like, you know, they probably didn't share everything, but I read like five or six of Charlie's books. And if you go back and you look at like some of the some of the training, you know what was so was subtle to me? the amount of repetitions that Charlie did when it comes to acceleration. And the problem with most the problem with 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 the coaches now and the way they're being trained is they don't take enough time to develop certain things. The reason why repetitions are set in place is to develop and get your body to be familiar about what you're trying to get done. Because if it's already set in there, then you'll be able to do it. But if you just do it once or twice, like how is that acne, How's going to become like memorable to that acne? Like how is their memory on a century going to be embedded into that acne for them to do what they need to do on the track? So they ain't taking enough time and giving these kids repetitions of 30s, 10s, 20s. And it also goes back to like, I know this is a toughy subject which is more important? The acceleration or max velocity? I would say acceleration. I think acceleration is the most important part of the race itself. Because it yeah. sets you up to get you the way you need to be. But I beg to differ, you know, well, most people will beg to differ. So I digress. Okay.
0: But you know, this is where you know let's say let's say an athlete has that acceleration, but they lack out the top speed so that you know again it's it's we're not we're not making blanket statements here that oh you have to just focus acceleration and that's it But if, again assessing your athlete does your athlete have that acceleration and we we just touched upon the ideas listen if you you know if he's running uh that thirty but he's it takes him his legs just feel like they want to turn over uh which comes come come back gives me a little point here you you mentioned something about some of the stuff that Charlie would do. I think one of the big things, which basically lends to this idea of sensation, if you have a high degree of regeneration, your body yeah. is more relaxed. Your body will pick yeah. up more sensory perception, but if it's stressed out, it has its own tension. And that tension now is jading the external tension, that, the external sensations that you would feel. So if my... If I if I you know squeeze my finger right and then I touch it, there's two sensations. There's a, there's a sensation of me squeezing my finger that I'm doing voluntarily, as opposed uh, and then the the finger that my finger touching the finger. So there's two sensations. But if I relax this finger, and this is that so I just touch the finger, my body only has to work on one cue, okay. that sensation. So if the body's relaxed, it's more likely. To and, and the muscles are supple, what I call r- developing your RPMs, re- resiliency, pliability, malleability, and suppleness. If those elements are there, which tells you that the, the system is in a high degree of parasympathetic, and basically at that point in a parasympathetic, you're more apt to pick up more sensation. But if you're stressed out, you're in that mim- mammalian sort of uh, you know, flight or flight state, which which means basically there's a lot of tone in the tissue. That's like that my finger. I'm I'm squeezing my finger. Plus now I am putting another finger on that finger. So there's two sensations that my body has to contend with. And so I can't quite feel this finger because there's more tension I'm generating with this. So the same thing. The muscles are nice and tight. They're all they're all tight. How can they then sense? There's a lot of sensation that's uh, occurring, uh, not just with the foot, but just three dimensionally all around the body is sensing all these things like when you run when you run with uh with you know running into the wind versus the wind at your back it's a different sensation yeah. it changes your stride i mean they you know they, they it changes changes your stride length uh it's a, it's so i think you know everybody starts looking at the times and all these instruments that kind of measure your splits and they have all these timing gates which you you know apps to do that but I think coming back to this point of sensation, that's something you cannot measure. That is something a person feels. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of get an idea through, you know, you can get these apps that kind of measure all your angles and to see the the, the ankle recovery and, you know, uh, hashtag, you look like a hashtag or, you know, like all these 90 degree angles and this and that. So you can make an assumption, but you really can't, Make a certainty because that certainty all has to be qualified by the person that's doing it. So you can say, yeah, okay, that looks good, but then how did that feel? That's that. I mean, when I work with uh, my athletes, I'll say, that looked good, but how did it feel to you? So what happens now is that you start to create this dialogue where the athlete starts to go internal. They're not looking, because, I mean, when you work with kids, what do they do? They look at you to say, hey, was that right, coach?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: They're yeah. looking at you for approval. But it's like, hold up. I'm not inside your body, though. You're inside your body. You tell mm-hmm. me. But I'm going to cue you to give you the right information so you can become aware. So coaches need to almost teach their athletes to become aware. Okay, remember when I... Remember after you came back, you, you 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 left you left here after ten days, and I worked with you for about a month, right? Yeah, and then yeah. and then I was coaching you over the over the net, and then I said to you, Antonio, I'm not coaching you anymore. And you're like, Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 what's going on, man? Hey, I need you, I still need you, man. Don't worry, don't don't go, right? And I said, No, 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 no. And said, I said, no, no, no. I said, oh, I'm gonna manage you now. Yeah. Because in that time period, you're 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 your ability to pick up what I was teaching you, you were able to put two and two together. So at a certain point we were dialoguing. I was not the coach anymore. I was just a sounding board. Yeah. And I mean, flip, flip it in reverse. I call you up when I got, pro- when I got some issues in my running. It's like, cause I can dialogue with you. Right. Yeah. And so, but we we have this understanding that the the sensation, and I think this is a, this is a very important point The coaches are too concerned about getting times and looking at these splits and uh using gadgets or whatever and i'm not saying we're not saying that some of these things are not good i mean i I personally endorse the Extra genie. i think that's probably the best uh yeah, uh, uh you know training device uh you know, for sprinters and, and, all, and you can do other things with it too, but I for sure yeah. use that for, cause I, I like the, uh, the, it puts you in a right acceleration angle. And I, 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 I wedge it into the ground with, with a spike, like a 12 inch spike as opposed to tying it to a post. Cause I find it gets you in that 45 degree angle. It automatically, cause that harness is pulling you in that right angle. So you feel, but if you uh put it up at a post and you accelerate, it will pop you up faster. So it's good for top speed if you put it at the pulse because you don't want to be constantly leaning forward uh, at the 45 when you're at top speed. You want to be more upright. But if you put it at a 45 degrees, it'll constantly give you that acceleration angle. It'll tell you. It'll give you feedback.
1: Yeah, it puts you in position to get to sprint on the track. Yeah,
0: Exactly. And now, now if you have all the other stuff that we're talking about, the ability to use that device becomes that much more enhanced. But, you know, so this is the idea of, you know, coaches, you want, you know, I would say, listen, if you're coaching, you're, you're missing the boat. I think you have to be managing and, and I think you got to teach your athletes enough about what's happening in their bodies to then give you the feedback by which then you can adjust the training. But if you're looking at splits and you're not asking the athlete uh, how they feel during that run, mm-hmm. you may be getting faster, but then they hit what we call a critical speed, by which that technique can no longer sustain itself with the, with the current physiognomy of the body. So the option is then, okay, then you go back in the weight room and you get stronger. You put a bigger engine in the car. But if you haven't done anything with the stabilization. You haven't done anything with the foot, you know, Changing the sensation of the steering, all that kind of stuff. You're just putting a bigger engine in the car, hoping that car now is going to travel faster down the track and have the same sort of uh, ability to steer with that bigger engine. So that's where it's almost like a linear. uh, I would say it's almost like a linear sort of uh, approach to sprinting. You, you know, if this is a problem, then we're going to add this, as opposed to listen. If you develop the sensation all around, like from the get-go. So now the athlete is giving you the correct feedback as a coach, and you adjust it. And yes, you can record the time. We're not saying don't record the time. But the time does not give an indication of sensation. That is something the athlete has to tell you. Yeah, that's the feel.
1: So prime example, prime example, right? That's why contrast training is so important. Let's say the exogeni, sled pose, tire pose, or the 1080 sprint, whatever you have at your, you know, at your hand, right? You would make the athlete do that movement with the apparatus, right? Yes. And then you take them off of it and then you let them do without it, right? And then you say, did you feel that what you was doing with the apparatus? What is that? That is a sensation you want to know if the athlete felt the movement so if you if you if you if you didn't want to know how the athlete feel why put them on that apparatus because that all of this is teaching the athlete how to get in position or how to feel what they need to feel getting off the ground in terms of how much power or pressure or how to keep the uh the the legs in a certain angle to be at 45 to get down the track to sprint, especially yeah. in the acceleration part of it. You understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So go ahead.
1: That's why I sensation is so important for them for the athlete to get a feel of what they're doing. Not not you know not just telling them do it and then they're looking at you. They need to give you feedback like you know what? I felt myself staying over my my ankles and pushing staying low, I felt my body in that in, in, in that forty-five degree angle because that's what the apparatus is made for to help you get like that. So if you can feel it there, you should be able to feel it without it if you're if if if, if you know how it feels within yourself to do it. And most of these most most of them are not doing it that way.
0: Yeah. I agree. I I mean you just look at for example, if you're gonna have somebody uh tow with a sled, right? Uh, with, like say a, a sled behind you versus towing with uh, uh, the extra genie. The, yeah. the extra genie is a smooth, uh, linear sort of a uh, 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 flow of tension. Whereas a sled, you know, you could hit a bump on the track or hit something. It goes off this way, kind of pulls you. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it, it's kind of good if you're like maybe maybe a running back. I think it gives you a sensation of something sound of like you know pulling you left but and you right. Do-
1: they yeah. got to use what they have. Most yeah. people ain't got access to the extrajini. So,
0: yeah. but
1: you know, you still can get the same effect if you teach it right.
0: Yeah. By the By the way, uh, to, just to put a shameless plug in, I'm actually doing a podcast next Wednesday with uh, Jim Warren, the, the creator of the Je- the extra genie, So
1: <laughs> that's how I met. That's how. But that's how. Remember, that's how I met you. I know. I know.
0: <laughs> I was telling Jim yeah. that. I was telling Jim about uh, you know I'm actually doing a podcast with you this Sunday. So he we had a good laugh about that because yeah, because that's it's, how we met you.
1: Hey, but check this out, check this out. People will be people will be telling me I'm tooting my horn when I say this. Before the exogenie was popular as it is now, we knew about it before all of these people know about it. How, tell,
0: so, me, tell, how that. Me. tell me
1: how tell me how because when I inquired about the Exogeny, what what year was that, that I talked to you? What year oh was man, that?
0: that was that's going back, man. Uh, maybe that's got to be you came to my place. Oh, it's got to be at least six years ago, man.
1: Six seven years ago, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 at least because I was in extra, my I was in my unit.
1: The extra genie was not as popular as it was as it is now than it, than it was back then. Oh yeah. Nobody, really, nobody really knew about this apparatus. Like I still have, I still have my. It, it looked all worn out. But I was one of, one of the first persons to like really, really, like buy into it and use it. And I found it out because of, uh the guy, I guess Jim, he gave me your phone number and tell me call you. And I called you, and that's how we started talking about. The exogene and training and then that's how I know you work with Charlie and and new Ben and all that. That's how. And I bet you any when I tell people I was one of the first people to really have that and use it, they wouldn't believe me. They would not believe me. Yeah. And I was seven years ago. I I have the (laughs) I
0: mean, my unit, I could I could I think I could prove it to you. I got my unit's like the older version. It's still good. It's still the same one. I mean, Jim's definitely done a better job, uh, you know. He, he kind of put some nice colors on. It's a little bit looking. It's looking slicker now, yeah. definitely than it was. Yeah, uh, it was uh, yeah. He got a better looking website. Uh, he's definitely doing a good. And this is this is the thing. I think you know that's why I want to bring him on because I really think uh, that that device. And and again, it's it's not only for just just uh, for sprinting. There you can do you can do a whole circuit with that, right? And it's versions. and it's it's uh, it's uh, variable resistance, but that the strength curve. Is very uh, similar to human movement because as you're going further away, right. it's, it's, it's accelerating. It's accelerating, not right. with a yeah, band. With, a, with with bands, bands decelerate as you extend outwards. So yeah. so this is this is where I kind of have a I don't know just a little question. Maybe uh, kind of makes you want to think because you know they use this they use the band training for accommodating for acceleration training. But how can that be? As you put more force, you're decelerating the sensation you well, so what i use the bands for is to, i give me mean, in terms of weight training is to create tension it, it forces you some tension it forces you to keep tight that's what mm-hmm. it does but for speed training you don't want to be tight you want to be relaxed that's why i think the exergenie is way better than using a, a rubber band uh because it's yeah. smooth it's linear as you're putting more force, it's giving you more line, right? Whereas a band, you put more force, it gives you more resistance. It's pulling you back more. So this comes back to this idea of using drills or using devices. Um, you know, like some of these new devices now. And this is—it's old. It's—it's it, it's an old overspeed training. That's a good—that's a good example. There's, you, you know. Charlie Francis is never a big fan of overspeed training, like with a tow rope or even bands, but I know I know and I know they have more electronic devices now that do that, but again, it's like if you're gonna I would be careful, so definitely you can get make the athlete get faster time like they they're it's being pulled they're being pulled, but what is the sensation of their foot hitting the ground, and then when you take this device off? How does that transfer into in the sensation perspective? We're not talking about time here. So maybe they may improve in time, but what is a sensation to get that time? And this is where I think sometimes you got to really ask yourself where some of these contraptions you get out there with the bands and stuff like that, they create, they create tension, but I think you need to, you want to, you want to create the sensation of being relaxed, and anybody who does, who's done sprinting knows that as soon as you tense up, you slow down. The whole body slows down. Everything slows down. So you want to. How do you? So how would you? And you know. So getting back to this idea now. So we're getting into this idea of drills, and you mentioned something a while back: uh, doing drills in barefoot. Yeah. Right. And then so I I use the expression you have to be able to see with your feet right and feel with your eyes. Mm-hmm. And by doing these drills in barefoot, or I like to use sometimes you know use rustling boots, because I think rustling boots are uh, uh they're very flexible. They're very thin sole. there's foot. not much to them. And or a five finger <laughs> to What's that
1: or the, or, the, or the five the, the the five finger toe shoe thing
0: yeah i mean if you you know if you, 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 they cost money but the wrestling shoes are a lot cheaper uh, but yeah if you you know if you don't want to touch the ground because you know you never know what's on the ground sometimes you never but but you know if you feel paranoid you can use the wrestling boots and it gives you the same sort of sensation as barefoot you wear you don't wear socks in them by the way too so you want to it gives you that sensation of, of being barefoot almost but, uh, but the other problem, too, with wrestling boots is that all shoes, I don't know if you notice this, but all shoes don't do this to your feet. They do this to your foot. In between the toe muscles, there's these small intrinsic muscles. Those muscles are responsible for firing chains up top. So if uh. your foot doesn't hit the ground properly and it does not articulate those bones, you then alter the firing pattern. So if you wear spikes, for example, that are too tight, your foot's all cramped up, you're not getting that sensation. That's why, you know, I think when you, like, you're telling me when you, you, you race barefoot, right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you went in the spikes, I could see, okay, and the spikes fit you half decent. I could see that, but you need to train more in barefoot. But you just don't go out and train barefoot because you got to transition into it. You got to start doing all those yeah. foot, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we can definitely do a podcast and that kind of like what I had you do when you came in, I had you do all those foot exercises. We talked about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So trying to, I had to almost reeducate your feet, your foot already knew what it was, but the problem is because of circumstances, et cetera, et cetera, that your foot got dumbed down. And as yeah. soon as you got your foot wakened up, everything started changing. The sensations started changing in your body because the muscle firing chains were different now. So,
1: true. Cool. You 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 know you know uh certain coaches use the term when you sprint especially in max velocity they say you want to um like the ground hot yeah right yeah if like you're running on coal let's not not check this out yes it, it's so easy to teach that because if you an athlete, athlete, when you put an athlete in spikes or even in or in tennis shoes, right, and you tell them, hey, run down the track. But when you hit the track, you, it got to be like you're running on cold. So it got to be like top, top, top. An athlete like, well, I'm trying to run fast, uh, but I don't see what you're saying. I don't feel that, right? I guarantee you, make them take off their shoes. Yes. And their socks. I tell them to go sprint across the ground. The action is so different because the feet is so sensitive. You understand? So, it's going to be like you tiptoeing. So, that means you're coming off the ground quicker because the feet, the feeling of the feet, the sensation of the feet is much different than when it's inside of a shoe. You understand? So, the feet is working more than opposed to the shoes or the spikes working more. So that's why I think we even had a discussion about certain spikes too. Right? Yes. Certain heights. You wanted to be flexible. Yes. So that you could actually defeat the field the same way when hitting the ground. Yeah. But you know, most most of the training now ain't about getting the tendons and the ligaments and the feet strong enough anymore. It's about, you that's know,
0: right. That's right. let me get a hard
1: plate spike and you hit the hit the ground it's going to bring you back up so yes. then what's going to happen you got all these athletes having calves injury because they're getting uh, uh um, achilles injuries you know why because they never train the feet and stretch the feet
0: so i'm going to add to that
1: from a they're, sensation they're, standpoint
0: the f- force ahead. the force is not proportionate to sensation
1: no no
0: at all Antonio just one second just unfortunately yeah. somebody somebody at the door here so one second man. okay sorry hold on hold on man intermission intermission yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> hold, on, hold on Yeah, you good Ever yeah, sorry about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, so okay. I I I think I think one of the key, I just maybe want to sum up a little bit here. Just the force cannot be greater than the sensation. The sensation has to be greater than the force for for speed to occur. Agreed? Yeah. I mean, it, if,
1: if if the sensation is there, the force is going to happen automatically.
0: That's 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 good. And so you know, one of the things here is uh, we we talked about is. Um, uh, you 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 mentioned when we're talking, uh, you saw um, uh, Charlie Francis in, a, in an old YouTube video, and they're basically running on the grass field, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know they're basically r- running from the ground up.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. That that's what, that's that's my cue. That's my cue that I um that I get my athletes run from the ground up. I know people will be like, "What you mean run from the ground up?" Well, it's a form of sensation. Whatever, whatever you put into the ground is going to give you the return automatically, right? So you know you have some some coaches tell these athletes, "Hey, get your knees up, get your knees up." So the kids are focusing so much on the physical part of it. Of hey, let me get my knees up. So when you start to think, you start to slow down, right? opposed to if you teach that athlete and the springs is in place how to contact the ground and they're hitting the ground in certain ways because everything is in place, you're gonna get an automatic return. You you you're not gonna have to tell the athlete lift their legs up or lift their feet up. When you get out of the bed in the morning and you put your feet
0: down, you don't have to tell you tell yourself hey lift your feet up to walk. It automatically happens. Mm. Well you know we we define the uh... Walking can be defined as a controlled series of falls. Yeah, it's already done. It's automated, right? So yeah. th- I think the running aspect. Uh, this is a very. That's a very good cue. It's like running from the ground up. It makes a lot yeah. more sense than trying to lift your knees up.
1: Yeah. You exactly hit the ground. It's gonna come back up. <laughs> like you said, <laughs> the drop. The, ball, the drop, like the, the analogy you did ball. with the ball. Yeah.
0: yeah tennis ball you don't have to if you put more force yeah it's going to come back up again it's spring up you you have to relax and that's i think that's a that's an interesting point you make there because when that knee comes off it cycles underneath the legs it, it basically as soon as it hits the ground it, it's already it's already cycled forward <clears throat> the knee's already cycling forward so you don't have to this is where the butt kicks are the worst drill because you're you're actually forcing that heel to come up to the butt as opposed yeah. to, if you have the right flexibility, right tension patterns, that as soon as you make the f- contact on the uh, on the ground, the heel mm-hmm. will 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 basically come automatically right up to the butt, and then yeah. the knee will drive forward, and then you have you set up for the next stride.
1: Yeah, you you hold your front you hold your front side mechanic.
0: That's right. Yeah. 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 So one of the things here, I think you made you made a point here. Uh, don't confuse effort with speed. No. Yeah, you you made that point when we talked about we talked earlier. You said a lot of coaches m- confuse and maybe athletes too uh, confuse effort with speed. And I think there that's again it's coming back to this idea of sensation, right? Um, speed is a sensation, and so if you're putting effort. You're actually going to slow down. You're not going to speed up, and so that's that's a a, a, a queuing thing. I'm not sure. What do you, what what? How would you to how would you train? What I mean, the barefoot thing. Would you do anything else to to help enhance sensation?
1: Um, hill uh,
0: sprints. What about hill sprints? Putting you in the right right angle.
1: So yeah. So you know, like like I think we talk about um. In, in terms of the hills, and then I saw I talk about the little device that I like. Uh the um it's, it's a it's a like a it's a fitness flexor thing. And um it actually helps with your um stretch reflex action. Right? Remember that we talk about it actually like you get your legs back down quick to the track. That's well they always say slow feet don't eat. Well that's basically <laughs> That's, that's like uh, what you're doing when you sprinting. That's like when you, uh, you... down to the ground to move forward, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, hill sprints. I I
0: feel like in terms of teaching, let's say the angle, the angle of acceleration, as opposed to, you know, it's 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 one of two things. I mean, I I can, for example, I tell my clients I could. I can work them out by having them push my car up and down the street, but that's the yeah, workout okay. versus yeah. if I train you to create the right tension patterns. Now that's, that's conditioning. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. So the same, so the same thing here, I think hill sprints, I, uh, I think if we we can kind of like sort of put something in people's heads, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to entertain any drill or any exercise, remember what sensation are you want to you want to impart on the athlete with this exercise, as opposed to how much can they lift? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, and I think this is a, this is a, this is coming back to where it's, it's it's internal again. It's it's inside your body. It's that you can't a coach can't experience. A coach can say, oh yeah, you know that looked good, but how did that feel? You know, like uh, I was having a guy yesterday do some deadlifts. Yeah, and he this, this is the first time he's done deadlifts in 15 years. He's, mm-hmm. he's he has some prior weight training experience, but if you put him under a bar initially, he, he had all the wrong technique. But yesterday, you put him under the bar for the second time on uh, on the deadlift, and the the weight just flew up. And we we kept on going heavier and heavier until basically he he felt the technique was starting to fade a bit, but he was aware of the technique. To know that, okay, you know what, it's starting to break down now. This mm-hmm. is well, well before we hit a max. Yeah. So this is so I would keep adding weight until I felt okay. At what point did the sensation change?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As a, as opposed to oh, how much does he have on the bar? And whatever he ended up having on the bar actually was about, I think, eighty pounds more than he had before. <laughs> so it was a good day. <laughs> yeah. So it it. it, it. So you know so like so uh, it's not the number so basically what you what you're getting at is I think it's not the number mm-hmm. it's the sensation to get that number Yeah and if coaches focus more on the sensation the number would take care of itself correct Yeah
1: like like you I think like you said to me um when when I came up there and it made so much sense you said to me um if you if you create the right tension patterns, right? Things will automatically happen on its own without you trying. Right? Mm, so,
0: yeah.
1: Right? So if, if that if that is the case, then if you put or you create these tension patterns with whatever you're doing, then I shouldn't have to try it and automatically be there because that is already in place. Right? And I think that's what we get away from. Like the uh, prime example with the hills. The hills teaches you how to stay in a certain angle. Right? And so if it teaches you how to stay, stay in a certain angle and you keep working that the way you need it to be and then you put the person on the flat surface, the body is going to remember how that feels. Right. Same as uh, the same as the iserobic with the exogenes. It's the same thing. Over a while, things. I mean, over time, and, and things will just naturally happen. And I got that from you, which which is a good as a good cue.
0: Yeah, I think I like to use a quote. Um, it's easier to to uh, to guide a river than it is to rush it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So let's let's move on here, and uh, so we talked about um, now. So you you mentioned Christian Coleman, okay? Yeah. Who and then you mentioned Ben Johnson. You mentioned Carl Lewis. You mentioned Flo Joe. Now let me ask you something. Who do you yeah. th- I think Who do you think right now? Okay, obviously uh, Christian Coleman would be one of them. Yeah. But who do you think's got a really good running form right now? Right now? Yeah. Um
1: man that's there's, se- there's several people. I, but I, b- between Christian Coleman but um Trayvon Mamela's textbook. Really? Okay. Yeah. If you look man, Trayvon has <laughs> His, his technique, especially up, upright running, is is, is technical, man. It, it don't get no it don't look no better than that, I ain't to tell you no lie. But then when I look at Andre DeGrasse, he is the most elastic athlete right now. I agree. He's Very elastic, man. His 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 body is wired almost perfectly for sprinting opposed to other uh, athletes and the reason why i say wide perfectly is this if you notice his his stretch reflex a recoil, recoil is beautiful yeah did you agree i agree yeah it's it, man so but yeah i mean it's christian coleman because he understands acceleration and he really understands the the, the stretch reflex part of it, especially up tall running. Like, if you notice, his feet keeps going. Like, yeah. He once got he got good get turnover. That, yeah. Once he get that motor going, if if he if he is already beating you up to sixty meters, if 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 he is in great shape, you're not gonna beat him. I mean, it's just it's just that's just the way it is. But Christian Coleman, um, uh. Trayvon and um and uh, Andre, they they are the best at what they do right now. Um, but I you know Gatlin is still running. I just think for me, I would never I would never bet against Gatlin in the championship race because he understands how he. Let me tell you this: he understands his body, how he understands preparation for championships hmm yeah
0: it's so i mean so you know in the end basically you have all these factors you know you have the accelerate you have the start i mean even before the start we have regeneration posture whatever then you get the start coming you know going the blocks properly then you get the first three steps then you got your acceleration up to 30 meters then from 30 meters you got your top speed right to 60 meters let's say and then from there, you got speed endurance, right? And, and so all these, all these little components. And so now as a coach, okay, how would you – so if an athlete comes to you, right, what, mm-hmm. would, you, uh, what would you do in terms of uh, assessing them? Like how, would you, how, do you, how do you figure out, do they need experience speed endurance? Uh, do they need maximum speed? Do they need to work on their posture? Do they need to work on their blocks? So I I guess you you kind of put them through or watch their race and see okay, you know and obviously probably ask the athlete like you know I'm not sure depending on how how attuned they are with themselves, but you can ask the athlete okay what do you think you need, right? And I think from 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 that perspective I think there's there's a bit of intuition here, and Mm -hmm. um, I think I mean if you really ask people I think truly deeply you know. no biases aside, don't no try to, no ego. Right. I think they actually truly, know, they actually know what they need. Yeah. Right. But how would you yeah. do it? Like, What what, what do you say? Cause I know yeah. you, you've told me you've worked with a couple of athletes recently and you've had some really good success with them. So how did you figure out what they needed? And what, what did you, you know, what was your, how do, you, how do you, how do you, how do you get that? How do you go around that?
1: You know, you know, it's so crazy. okay. So
0: with, without giving mm-hmm. se- trade secrets to it, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no,
1: well, you know, I I watch races. If if they were competing before they came to me, I watch races, and then I can almost tell them like, you know, what if we if we you know work on this a little bit more, we find what cool you're doing or put you in this position, we can get you to where you need to be, right? And then too, some athletes, you can tell just by you you can tell just by. Like, Watching them do their drills with, they, with their lacking. Simple drills will tell you what an athlete is lacking. And then, you know, um uh tell them get onto the blocks before you even teach anything, you'd be like, Right. Your block starts. So it's it's all about I, I like to watch. I like to pay attention to the little things, like, you know, and then I could almost assess, like, you know what? we need to be doing this. Or, prime example, um, if I, if we giving you tempo, tempo workout, you could tell, you could, you could basically tell off an of acne tempo workout if they're lacking speed endurance, off a of, um, uh, high knees, if they can hold that high knees for however long in the right position, you can tell if they break. It, there's there's so many different variables, but every athlete is assessed differently because every athlete has different needs. You understand me? Some athletes they they are they they're not explosive or their reactive ability is 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 not where it needs to be. So it, there's a lot of different things I look for when athletes come to me. And then I could, I can watch you by telling you, hey, let's do some strides. You start striding, and look at you like, "Oh man, you got a lot of work to do." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it ain't that hard if you if you know what you're looking for. You know, some things is an easy fix. Some some things, uh, we gotta be, we gotta do a lot of repetition. I I I really agree with repetition because if the athlete could you know become familiar with it within themselves, within their body, it'll happen. Automatically,
0: so, so rep- I right. think I think repetition. Yeah, you, you know, you hit the, you touch something on there, uh, and I'm gonna add maybe I'll add to that. It's like you definitely want to do that. Practice makes permanent. So you do yeah. the you you keep doing that repetition, and then so here's the other thing too. It's like I think you have to be able to progress the athlete from different elements to so if you if you tre- if you Teach this element. This element should be connected to the next one and but the next one and so on and so on. So as opposed to just picking one out, they, so there has to be a continuity of teaching. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's something that also needs to be addressed. Like you don't just add a drill in any running drill randomly. It's basically you got to have somebody look, you know, who's experienced and say, well, how, where is this going to lead to? Where, what's yeah. my end goal? And how do I get there? How do I break down this movement? with the end goal in mind, right? So, you know, to sum up, because we've been, uh, you know, you've got some really good, some really good, I think this is a really good podcast on on, on speed training. Um, but where can people get a hold of you, Antonio? If they want to work with you, and you're in, you're in Carolina, South Carolina? Yeah,
1: South Carolina.
0: South, well, yeah. So if they want to, for example, they want to send a video, of you uh make it make again, talk get in touch with you, uh working how can they find you?
1: <laughs> just, uh, or,
0: or or do you want contact people to contact you and
1: tell yourself call <laughs> contact <laughs> you Steph, and tell Steph, get in contact with me. <laughs> I'm the agent. Hey, that's right. They they could get connected through me. Um Yeah, just they could get get in contact you get in contact with me, but yeah, okay. I'm based in South Carolina.
0: Okay. All right and do you do you work with people remotely like you say somebody wants to send you a video of themselves and then uh you know they they can yeah. say hey can you can you uh can you look at me uh, what would you want them to like you know if if somebody were to work with you well, over the phone like over, over the internet kind of thing what would you want them to do like they start like take different aspects or show show a race and the race kind of thing so like
1: so I, I've done, I've, I've seen races or we could even do like how we are doing a live feed. They can set up their camera and I can actually look at them right there as they're doing what they're doing and give them feedback when they talk to me. Wow,
0: that's the beauty of technology that way. You know. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, also, I mean, you know, even pictures pictures alone can tell you certain things, but seeing it for yourself is, is much better. You yeah. Can, you know, can watch that you can see what they're doing.
0: All right, man. This is uh, we're gonna have you. We gotta definitely have you back on. Maybe uh, talk about some other stuff. Maybe something on top speed or something. You know, there's definitely different components yeah. to the 100 meters. Uh, yeah, each of the, a lot each of these comp- each of these components require uh, a bit of discussion points. Um, you know, you can't just you know. But definitely, I think right now the fundamental is getting the blocks set up properly. Getting your <clears throat> your first three steps properly, I think that's the key to getting your first your first thirty down packed. And if you get the thirty down packed, then we're going to talk about okay, how do we now slowly build this engine back, uh, up so it's a faster engine, but the body can handle that engine. So when working top speed, it's no sense putting top speed in place. Meanwhile, you haven't worked your thirty properly, right? So you're just putting a bigger engine in. It's like, Putting a, a bigger engine in my Honda Civic. Well, it, you can probably do that, but then the car can't handle it. The car can't have the steering, oh. the brakes, all these things can't. Handle. The, the functionality of the car decreases. So, yeah. in in uh, any parting words, uh, you want to give uh, anybody want to say hi to your mom, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm gonna say it like this. There's a uh, there's I remember a coach told me. Uh, a coach up in the Bahamas, high school coach, Coach Grant, Coach <clears throat> Fritz Grant. Coach Fritz Grant said to me, he said, "Remember this. This is years ago. He said a world record was one out of the block. If 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 you if you can't come out of the block the correct way, and if it ain't set up right." then you will fail so you have to have a starting point right so if you know if your block if you can't set up your block and put yourself in position to accelerate go into your transition and hit your max velocity and and hold on to your speed then you're failing so you have to start <laughs> at point a to get to point b so what is important I would, just, I would just ask that question. What is important first? Mm. So,
0: good advice <laughs> for some uh, some younger athletes. Don't be, would you say, don't be in a rush to get the, to do your top speed. Start working on those fundamentals, the basics, uh, and then the top speed will take care of itself. Would you say that? It would happen, yeah.
1: Most definitely.
0: You know, you, got, you,
1: you have to have patience in this game. You got it. Let me tell you, yeah,
0: that's exactly develop, right. Develop. Develop first.
1: Develop the things that you need first to sprint five.
0: That's a good that's a good yeah. I like that. That's yeah. a good way. Develop. So, Antonio, it's been sir. Sure. It's been a pleasure to catch you at, not at uh early Sunday morning. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> no. So I'm gonna I'm going to sign off here and I'm going to, you know, thank Antonio for taking the time out uh, to share some of his experiences and some of his, uh, some knowledge from uh, trials and tribulations from uh, a Uh, sprinter. And, you know, for the record, he's still damn fast though. uh, anyway, I,
1: I forgot to say this though. Okay. When I was in North Carolina, my freshman year at the school I was at, I made the 100 meter finals after the 400 meter finals, and I think I ran like that. Yeah, my freshman year, I ran like ten six or ten seven in in the final. Holy. Yeah. After the 400 meter final.
0: After, oh my God, okay. So you got to factor yeah. that in. So you got to factor
1: at least yeah, at least shut, three shut three. Shout out to Coach Z. Coach uh Donald Dunnan. That's uh he was my uh he was my college coach. But we used to train on a three hundred meter hill.
0: Wow, okay. <laughs> all is, right, man. <laughs> all right, man.
1: All right. Take care, man. All thank right, you very much. Nice Appreciate up. it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right.
0: System.ca podcast disclaimer. We're not here to tell you that we know everything. Just, we're just here to present possibilities. The information presented is by no way intended as medical advice or as a substitute for medical counseling. The information should be used in conjunction with the guidance and care of your physician. Consult your physician before bringing, beginning this program as you would with any, any, any other exercise nutrition program. If you choose not to obtain consent of your physician and or work with your physician, throughout the duration of your time using the recommendations given, you are agreeing to the, accept full responsibility for your actions. By continuing, you recognize that despite all precautions on the part of the system, the art and science of coaching, there are risks or of injuries or illness which can occur because of your use of the aforementioned information, and you expressly assume risks and waive relinquish and release any claim which you have against the system, the Art and Science of Coaching, or any of its affiliates, as a result of any future physical or illness incurred in connection with, or as a result of, the use or misuse of this information given. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted in any form, or by any means, including photocopy, recording, or any other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of the system, the art and science of coaching, except in the case of brief quotations of body and critical reviews and certain other non-commercial uses permitted by copyright law. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the content, please hit the subscribe button. Check out the system.ca for more information on services and more content like this, and also products. Take care.